Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on yet another day. This time we're doing, we're back to doing our live streams. Um, and I'm very pleased uh, I uh, to welcome my friend, our guest uh, on the podcast today, um, political commentator, columnist, uh, and now author. Uh, Ajit Datta. Um, the reason why I say and now author is because we are going to talk about the latter part uh, of his journey. Then we'll come back to the political commentator part. Um, Ajit has been, um, you know, involved with the Pondi Lit Fest. Uh, has written pieces for various media organizations, including Mind Makers. If I, uh, if I were to do a subtle plug, and writes about current uh, affairs and many, um, you know, issues uh, in world and geopolitics and so forth. But he's written this fascinating book on Himanta Biswa Sharma and his uh, Sharma in his journey, who's the CM of Assam right now. So we are here to talk. Uh, uh, with Ajit about those and more. So welcome to Mind Podcast, Ajit. Great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adit, for having me. So let's, you know, let's dive straight into it, right? What um, what prompted you to write this book? So Adit, I have been uh, following politics very closely since my childhood. And this genre of books, political biographies, especially political biographies of uh, leaders who are still very much active, who are still very much in the game, uh, is a genre that I've always, always, you know, particularly enjoyed reading. So a project of this kind was uh, always on my bucket list. Now, uh, with after 2014, of course, uh, he was definitely, Himanta Sharma was definitely amongst the most interesting uh, leaders or politicians uh, in the in the indian political circuit certainly somebody who was you know uh, a fascinating uh, candidate for a project like that so that's the reason why i chose him and i went ahead with this project yeah, yeah, because Himanta is a very is a very curious sort of politician, right? Like he's a very mercurial politician because he started with, of course, with the the as a lot of current Assam politicians started with the ASU, you know, uh, and yeah. the whole Assam um, uh, uh, protests, agitations in the nineteen seventies and eighties, right? And then uh, went from there to the Congress. Uh, the 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 agitation, of course, transmorphed into the Assam Ganaparishad (AGP). Yeah. And then, then after his experiences in the Congress, which we'll go into detail, uh, because I, mm. I want to talk a little bit about Himanta, the Congress uh, man, and what transpired uh, from his journey, you know, from there to the BJP in the next part. Yeah. But give a little bit of context to our uh, li our listeners, our viewers, right? Because a lot of them, uh, uh, you know, might not have heard of this. And and before uh, Ajit gets into it, guys, please write your comments uh, and we'll take your questions throughout the show and primarily at the end of the show. So please keep tweeting to us or putting on Facebook, wherever you're looking at it, our team will uh, get those questions over to me. So uh, yeah, Ajit. Yeah, so uh, amongst the politicians who sort of uh, switched over to the BJP or who, you know, switched over to the, the ruling side post 2014, uh, mm -hmm. if you look at all of them amongst the core BJP supporters or the supporter base, there's always a lot of skepticism, a lot of, you know, doubt about mm -hmm. uh, where these people actually, you know, where their allegiance lies and so on. But then uh, this is one person who's really taken to it as if he always belonged here. I mean, mm -hmm. 
the kind of uh, enthusiasm the kind of support that he generates especially amongst the core base of the bjp is even more than a lot of the you know old timers who belong to the party so <laughs> that is something that uh, that that is something that struck me particularly and uh, of course uh, besides that he had his entire electoral performance to back him up uh mm-hmm. not just his electoral performances of the past but even his electoral performances after he switched over to the bjp because mm-hmm. uh obviously 2016 was the first time that the bjp formed a government in assam mm-hmm. and uh after that he was made the head of what is called the neda the northeast democratic alliance uh right with a with a primary aim of uh making the entire region congress mukt now hmm. prior to 2014 this is something that would have been completely unthinkable because if you look at the last three congress state governments which got reelected i'm not talking hmm. of the governments the new congress governments that have come of late you know because of anti incumbency let's say in rajasthan or something like that but i'm hmm. talking of the state level congress governments which actually got reelected uh, the hmm. last three actually took place in the northeast prior to 2014 yep. Right, uh, right. I think the last one would have been in 2013. So that was like a complete, like a fortress or a bastion of sorts for the Congress party. Mm, 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 and mm. so it was completely unthinkable, you know, with majority Christian states and all of that for the BJP to emerge as the dominant force of that region. But then under him in the NEDA, within mm. uh, two or three years of the NEDA's formation, you you have a situation where you know uh, there isn't a single Congress government in the state anymore. and now hmm. of course uh five or six years down the line in 2022 we've reached a situation where for the first time after independence you don't have a single rajya sabha member uh from the congress party uh hmm. you know from the region from the northeast hmm. so this is what the man uh, has achieved politically this is his track record politically so uh of course i mean there was a, a fantastic story to be told there as to you know mm. how he has achieved this because what is head. fascinating yeah. what is fascinating mm. is he is not just been a um, narendra modi type figure where he is you know popular because he is popular right campaigning he's also been yes. uh, uh, an amit shah type figure who's a backroom sort of person who does a strategy so it's 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 a bit of both right and 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 uh, a lot of people say that in the 2016 uh, victory you know where sarpananda sonowal who's now the union minister who became the chief minister uh, himanta worked on the back uh, uh, on the back back room like you know making sure this happens and after that was achieved i think he was uh, you know going in other states and forming alliances so it's it's a very fascinating yeah. journey that way also that it's it basically he's trying to solidify in all the states and then coming back to his home base yeah so actually there are two parts to this one of course is the comparison that you drew about uh, him you know having both this uh, element of uh, modi and shah and uh, that kind of a comparison now uh, actually there was uh, a very senior editor who once compared him or who actually called him a combination of pramod mahajan and nitin gadkari which is quite interesting because <laughs> Pramod Mahajan was, of course, you know, like a, a backroom operator par excellence, while yeah. Nitin Gadkari is considered to be uh, the the most effective minister in India. Uh, and yeah. Himanta Biswa Sharma portrays that exactly in Assam. You know, he is considered to be by far the the best administrator or the best minister that the state has had mm-hmm. since a long time. Now, uh, prior to becoming chief minister, when he was a minister for almost two for two decades before that. Right. So. Right. Uh, that is the comparison that was drawn so in my book actually i drew three more comparisons i added to that 
Uh, one is of course that there is a very strong uh, arun jetli element to him as well because hmm. uh, he is considered to be amongst the sharpest lawyers that the guwahati high court has seen he is uh, hmm. highly educated that the state's media eats out of his hand uh, you know he manages to set the intellectual narrative in the state uh, he's cut his teeth in student politics so these are hmm. like uh, you know complete arun jetli kind of elements which he embodies uh at the same time you have uh, of course you mentioned amit shah now mm. that is of course a, a very strong uh, part of his personality or uh, you know very strong trait in his personality where he can literally go to uh, to any part of uh, any part of the region that is uh, that has traditionally not been a bastion for his party and you know convert it overnight into a bastion and uh, mm. things like that you know a, a very uh, Uh, an organizer a strategist uh, that kind of a role and then of mm. course there is this uh, yogi adityanath element which is also very strong in him you know like a complete defender of civilization uh, completely unafraid to to you know uh, make a controversial yeah, take, statement yeah or even take on the is, take on the uh, the islamist uh, uh, component as well because exactly. you so, are seeing the far uh, uh, you know the very uh, uh, sort of politics of the the ajmals and others right so how exactly so that? even so so basically even uh, i mean in his uh, in in letter and spirit both in in his uh, in what he talks as well as in the way that he acts there is no compromise on core issues uh hmm. however controversial it might be to a certain section in india very much like yogi adityanath in a certain sense and you know a complete crowd puller somebody who stresses on those issues while talking somebody who keeps highlighting those issues so hmm. uh so yeah i mean there is that yogi adityanath element as well so like this is a very all round politician in a certain sense you know who hmm. has traits from many of these big leaders you find these traits in one place so uh, that is a that is a specialty uh, yeah. of himantu bishwa sharma so th- then let's uh, let's get into yeah. the history of, history of assam a little bit first yeah. and then then get into the what has happened right so let's talk about the let's talk about what you know uh, it's always uh, fascinating to know hum log pehle kahan the aur kahan se aaye right so first is the assam gana parishad And so basically yes. after the assam accord of 1985 you know it was basically assam gana parishad was formed and the reason why the uh, assam accord took place is basically there were the representatives of the government of india and the assam movement at that time rajiv gandhi and it was a six year agitation where the aasu which is the all assam students union from 1979 yeah. to 1985 they were so again i mean this was the whole after the you know you had the bangladeshi immigrant issues and this is the reason why it started but it was very very yeah. uh, popular uh, the movement within assam and uh, you yeah. had of course uh, prafulla kumar mahanta and uh, uh, you know became the chief minister then you had the brigu fukans and but there were yeah. so many leaders that came out right and now uh, agp yeah, yeah. ultimately in the 90s formed a gub- alliance with the bjp but then a lot of agp leaders actually have gone over to the bjp because there's 
you know, in you know, they thought that the BJP is probably talking about a more national sort of things, and the AGP sort of lost way. But in the 80s, it was the it it almost had a similar sort of thing emergence as Ahmadmi Party did in Delhi in the 2000s. Yes, but yes. Delhi is a half state, Assam is a full state. So that is, I want to give a different, plus Delhi has a full media that was, you know, uh, highlighting Ahmadmi mm. Party and nothing, nothing to take away from Delhi, but uh, AS, you did it when there was no media, no electronic media, right? No TV at that time, yeah. not as much. The only electronic media was DD. So talk a little bit about that, about Mr. Sarma's journey there. And then from there, how he went to the Congress and, you know, just his history and back to the BJP. Yeah. So basically, uh, the, the comparison uh, has been drawn many times between the AGP and the Amadmi Party with Prafulla Mahanta and Gregu Pukan being uh, compared to, you know, Arvind Kejriwal and Manish Sisodia in a certain sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where the comparison sort of ends, as you pointed out, because of mm -hmm. several factors. Now, these people were probably in their 20s when they became the chief minister and the home minister of the state, respectively, in their late 20s. Mm -hmm. Mm. And Himanta uh, Bishwa Sharma would have been a teenager at that point. So Himanta mm. mm. Bishwa Sharma, uh, so of course, uh, he's born in 1969 and the agitation mm. began in 79 when he was 10 years mm. old. It lasted mm. till 85. Now, Himanta mm. uh, Bishwa Sharma, of course, joined this agitation at the age of 10 or 11. Uh, mm. He uh, there, there was a very, you know, a speech that he gave in mm. one of the small towns uh, which sort of, uh, you know, from, and th that, that was a starting point. And from there, like when he returned to Guwahati, because he used to live in Guwahati, he became right. a very integral part of that, part of that agitation or that movement. Uh, hmm. At that time, they were the ASU, they were not the AGP uh, as yet. Yeah. And this hmm. was a completely student driven movement, you know, like, Correct. Uh, like basically, uh, it, and it had the support of everybody in the state, you know, from the parents mm. of these students to the teachers to the common man on the street. Everybody supported this student movement. Mm. Uh, the main plank, of course, was that illegal immigration from Bangladesh had to stop. The illegal immigrants had to be deported and all of that. But this mm. was like a completely student-driven thing. And Hemantha mm. uh, Vishwa Sharma emerged as one of the main uh, organizational people in this movement at a very young mm. age of 12 or 13. He hmm. was, you know, at the center of it in Guwahati, organizing some of the big rallies, uh, hmm. organizing some of the, you know, the tours for these people. And uh, he was, he was doing all sorts of, uh, he was playing all sorts of roles in that movement, you know, from dealing with the media at a very young age to, hmm. uh, you know, even uh, doing uh, very menial work such as sort of painting the walls and uh, hmm. Pasting uh, posters and things like that, two uh, two very important roles as well, such as organizing the rallies and all of that. So he was completely like a very very integral part of this movement since a very young mm -hmm. age. And mm -hmm. then uh, of course in eighty five, this movement uh, sort of uh, with the Assam Accord, uh, it culminated in a certain sense. And uh, the Assam Accord was, of course, signed in uh, on 15th of August, uh, 1985, mm. on Independence Day. Now, mm -hmm. uh, fresh elections were declared. And within three months, the, these people had uh, set up a party in the mm. form of AGP, which mm. swept the elections. The elections were held in December and these people swept the elections. Of course, Himoto Sharma was too young at that point. He had just gone to high school. Uh, right. And... 
yeah so he obviously like did not take part in the elections but mm. uh, what happened was that this movement this assam uh, assam movement was like a uh, you know it was like a bit of a salad bowl type of a movement because students mm. from uh, various walks of life participated in it uh, it was not like a very monolithic kind of a movement at all you know there were these people who were lobbying with the government there were some artists who took part there were people who were mm-hmm. uh, you know doing this agitation on a daily basis and there were also people who had taken up arms uh, who were also mm-hmm. part of this movement so uh, so then when this uh, agp came into being in 85 that's when the distinctions actually started emerging because you know suddenly you had a political party then you had a students movement and then when delhi began calling the shots at that time like half of them became a terrorist organization in the form of ulfa so that's when these distinctions came about so in any yeah. case so that that's how that, that's how like things uh, sort of panned out emerged that and yeah and from that point from 85 onwards uh, mm-hmm. it was a bit like a political seesaw in the sense that uh, the agp of course uh, lasted only for one term that government because mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day these people had just come out fresh from university and you know the bureaucrats also took them for a complete ride and all of that but uh, mm-hmm. the uh, but then the congress came back 5 years later and then the cycle repeated again with the agp coming back i think in uh, 96 and torungo uh, mm-hmm. came back in 2001 etc so uh, so basically yeah. uh, this it was like a you know a complete seesaw which used to take place between the agp and the congress until 2006 when the congress returned to power for the second time and that was of course himanta bishwa sharma is doing i'll come to that a bit uh, a little later hmm. so meanwhile after 85 uh, hmm. basically what happened was that he went to cotton college after his high school Mm-hmm. and cotton college is of course like you know the absolute center of student politics in assam and student politics already has such an important place in the state and all that and mm-hmm. uh, the political class you know very openly interferes with what goes on there and you know the student body elections and all is like watched yeah. by the entire state and he set a record by winning uh, the general secretary's post thrice Uh, which you know, nobody had done in the past and obviously like the agp and the asu uh, backed him for that uh, uh, and he was still the main person who was holding the asu together so by then the asu had transitioned into like now the comparison is drawn between you know what the rss is to the bjp the hmm. asu had become uh, to the agp in a certain sense yeah. like the backbone of the entire <laughs> and on a light on a very lighter note that was the also the time when people actually uh, went to college on time and graduated on time you know didn't just <laughs> so i mean i'm just joking but yeah he did I mean, and and the reason why this is very important is he was there you know on uh, uh, there for 4 5 years and then he just uh, uh, you know uh, uh, was very popular he got his bachelor's and masters both in that university yeah. and became a lawyer and then became a solicitor and became a lawyer at the gauhati high court right so it's a very yeah. f- fascinating journey from being that to uh, a doctorate yeah, of philosophy so gauhati yeah sorry go on yeah actually the the lawyer the the lawyer bit very interestingly like at least when he practiced in gauhati high court that came a little later so what happened meanwhile was that uh, hiteshwar saikia was the chief minister of assam at that point in the early 90s 
he was of course like a you know belonging he belonged to the congress party and he was considered to be a master strategist and all of that which he was because he broke the assam agitation completely like he broke it the first time with the accord and then he uh, broke uh, the ulfa later and then he would go on to break the asu with himanta bishwa sharma's help so hmm. what happened was that he that was basically his task he knew that this boy in cotton college basically is like the the nodal point for the entire organization and the entire movement and he sort of uh, you know did whatever he had to do to co-opt himanta bishwa sharma so himanta bishwa sharma finally like ended up becoming a very close aide of hiteshwar saikia and switched over to the congress side at that point hmm. of course hmm. i mean it's not uh, such a straightforward thing also that you know he was lured into doing it there was a lot of uh, other things also which changed at that point because you know at, at an ideological level too he realized that uh, the assam gano parishad as such has no future it's you know very uh, very yeah, limited and, and, and it, it it was a lot of uh, it was it was a tone of uh, sort of reckoning for a lot of people i think bijoy chakraborty also you know went from the agp to the bjp you know in the 2000s mm-hmm. as well if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken uh, then mm-hmm. you know you had uh, uh, you uh, i'm sorry in the i think in the late 90s if i'm not mistaken uh, okay. not not in 2000s but around the same time basically post the atal ji era right and um it was almost like the two after the failed experiment of the united front or the national front there were essentially two coalitions one the bjp coalition and the congress coalition so that is where the uh, things are happening now yeah, so um, the biggest uh, uh, no, so the yeah. biggest name the, the biggest name who made that switch was sarbanand sonowal of course Yeah, that was in two thousand eleven. I, I mean, I want to come to yeah. that later. I want to talk. Let, let's talk a little bit about the two thousand one to two thousand six because he became a yeah. uh, MLA at Jalukbari, where he defeated a very senior leader, Bregu Fukan, right, the ex CM yeah, yeah. of Assam, yeah. and um, yeah. he was, um, you know, elected in a huge term. And at that time, Mr. Gogoi was basically uh, uh, the CM of Assam, and he was he was already uh, sort of you know uh, the rising star within the Congress. But I think that also yeah. caused a lot of sort of murmurs within the Gogoi family and the Congress party, if I'm not so, mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So actually, in the beginning, he was Gogoi's main sort of. Actually, what happened was that the murmurs first came during the Hiteshwar Saikia period because. he became like the blue eyed boy of the chief minister and you know he was all the time around and he began to harbor jalukbari uh, which was in the outskirts of guwahati he began to you know foster it and with plans of contesting it at some point now hideshwar uh, saikia was of course very happy with this i mean of course this was something that the other leaders could not accept because he was a 26 year old at that point and uh, so they brought this up with narasimha rao and uh, and hiteshwar saikia put his foot down he said that you know if you don't let this boy contest i won't contest either and uh, so that's when narasimha rao said that you know i mean i don't have a choice go ahead with it and of course <laughs> yeah so then uh, so that that's what the 96 elections he was 26 years old and he contested right. against bigo fukan and uh, he uh, he would have even won he would have even like made it but the the thing is that hiteshwar saikia fell ill uh, mm. during that uh, during the last stretch of the polls in fact mm. he even mm. uh, passed away a few days later so the yeah. entire campaign of the congress completely collapsed the funds that were supposed to come never reached on time and those kind of things uh, the ulfa even you know uh, 
murdered a few people there in Jalukbari mm. and all of that to send out a message to the Congress carders and things like that. Mm. So mm. the entire campaign fell apart and he lost by a few thousand votes uh, mm. in '96. So then uh, after that, of course, uh, when Hiteshwar Saikya passed away, he was sort of, uh, he, he had his back completely against the wall because, you know, overnight from being the chief minister's blue-eyed boy who was, you know, expected to make a grand entry into the assembly and all of that at a young age. Now he had enemies within the Congress party who were not very happy with his rise. He had enemies in the AGP who were, you know, who obviously thought that he had betrayed their cause. And then he had enemies in the Ulfa who, uh, you know, whom Hiteshwar Saiki had gone after in, during his term. Right. So he, like, he completely had his back against the wall and he decided to go to Delhi uh, because hmm. he had his law degree in hand. Hmm. And he thought that, you know, like, uh, I'm done with Assam. Let me go and practice in the Supreme Court. So he went to Delhi and he met Narasimha Rao there again. And mm. uh, Narasimha Rao, of course, remembered him. And uh, before he could even, you know, uh, tell Narasimha Rao about what had happened, Narasimha Rao told him that, you know, it's time for you to go back to that constituency. Don't waste time here. Mm. And, uh, you know, nobody remembers their MLA if he keeps coming to the constituency. But people will, you know, take notice of the losing candidate if he spends time there and, uh, you know, mm. uh, builds a base over there. Hmm. So, uh, he, he did not really, I mean, what could you say to a former prime minister, you know? So, he hmm. just quietly packed his bags and returned to Guwahati. And uh, <laughs> he, he started working there on the ground uh, in Kalukari quietly. And hmm. of course, you know, at that point, uh, he he did not have any, you know, means of sustenance and all of that. So, he started practicing in the Guwahati High Court. Uh, for the first few months, uh, his life was also under threat because of the Ulfa. So, he had to be extremely careful and all that. Uh, but slowly, you know, the AGP and the Ulfa turned on each other. So, like, uh, things sort of quietened down for him. He, you know, his practice, of course, uh, became extremely, extremely, uh, you know, popular because he was a fantastic lawyer. And yeah. uh, he started making money. He started building a base in Jalukbari and all of that. And in 2001, finally, he managed to defeat Brigu Fukan and uh, get elected as the MLA from Jalukbari. Yeah. So, and, and Ulfa is the, you know, the complete, the separatist organization with Paresh Barua and, you know, the others yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and so forth. And I mean, they've been uh, around since 1979 as well. Um, you know, the, the, the interesting question here with uh, Himanta and uh, post-2001 is that the Indian polity also had changed at that time. You know, we had moved from a socialist part to under Atalji, moving towards a more, you know, market-friendly uh, thing. Uh, there were industries coming in, states were the... And um, at that time, the ND was also looking at the Northeast the way it had not been looked before, right? You had um, many projects formed. And then... Uh, they lose, lose power in 2004. And then Congress is still in power in Assam for like three consecutive terms with Mr. Gogoi essentially yeah. being in power. But there were elements of uh, discord that were slowly settling in right after around 2010-11 period, right? Uh, is that is that yeah, my correct assumption? Yeah, 2011. 2011 was when it started, yeah. Yeah, and then then at that time also the Congress had essentially given up on Manmohan Singh in the center, and Rahul Gandhi was being groomed as the next Prince Charming of India. And Himanta tells a very 
horrendous encounter that he had with uh, Rahul Gandhi, where you, I think he kept feeding biscuits to his dog or something like that, and didn't yeah, even yeah, talk. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about that, and then I mean, start with the 2011 period, and then what he's how did his uh, transition to the BJP happen? Okay, so actually, by 2006 itself, uh, he had become the uh, like the main force basically in the government and in the party in Assam. So uh, Tarun Bogo even talks about the fact that, you know, if Himanta is around, I can, you know, sleep at the wheel and that kind of thing. So uh, so by 2006, he was completely in control and not just of uh, the, the Congress party in Assam, but uh, he was even, you know, firefighting crises in uh, other states in the Northeast and all that for the Congress party. So he was already playing a pan uh, northeast role uh, in mm. between 2006 and 2011. He had become the main uh, minister in Turungovoy's government, the main uh, political strategist, the main, uh, you know, uh, political strategist for the party in the entire region and uh, the main fundraiser, everything. He was like the, the basically like the, the person in complete control. And uh, then 2011 was uh, an election in which they won by an even bigger majority, which was even more unprecedented because 2006 itself was an aberration from this, you know, AGP Congress seesaw. And uh, 2011 turned out to be uh, an even bigger majority. And that was because he had obviously like altered social engineering completely there. And this time, like it was predominantly like the tribal vote, the tea garden vote, the Hindu vote, which had come to the Congress party. Because mm. he uh, had remained pretty steadfast in his ideals, you know, being anti-illegal mm. immigrants, resisting mm. an alliance with Badruddin Ajmal and all that. Because by the time Rahul Gandhi took over as a general secretary, uh, there was a very clear indication in the party that he would be the he would be the person who would you know take the the final who would call the shots, mm. uh, and he was very keen on an alliance with Badruddin Ajmal from the beginning. Uh, mm. At least uh, during the Sonia Gandhi era, she had sort of respected Mondo Bishwachar Sharma's judgment and hmm. said that, I mean, you take that call. But then this fellow had been insistent from the beginning that, you know, he wanted that alliance, which would have completely, uh, which would have completely dismantled the, the, the kind of social engineering and the kind of vote bank that he had built in 2011 and which we hmm. see happening today, you know. Because when they are in alliance, that uh, vote bank has completely dismantled in a certain sense. So mm. he uh, was able to see that much earlier. So in 2011, during the assembly elections, Gaurav Gogoi had just returned to Assam. Uh, mm. He had been in the US and all of that earlier. And uh, he had to the state and, uh, you know, he had, uh, in fact, Tarun uh, Gogoi had even... Uh, asked Himanto Bishwa Sharma to sort of guide him into politics and all that. Mm. I mean, he was that close to Himanto Bishwa Sharma at that time. He was like his complete, mm. uh, he depended on him completely. So he had asked Himanto Bishwa Sharma to guide Gaurav into politics and all of that. Yeah. Mm. So take him under his wings and all. Right. So, uh, so then after the 2011 elections, uh, Gaurav took a tour of the of the state because obviously at that point, uh, there was this feeling amongst a certain section of people close to Torun Gogoi that Gaurav Gogoi would be the natural heir at some point. Uh, well, now, yeah. uh, 
Now, by 2006 itself, in fact, by 2011, it was very clear that Himanshu Biswas Sharma is the next in line. That was uh, that was extremely clear, you know, considering he was running the show there, completely running the show there. Now he came back from this tour. He was, of course, very disappointed because wherever he had gone, people had praised Himanshu Biswas Sharma because you know he had been a fantastic health minister, he had been a fantastic education minister, and like this guy was very disturbed after he came back from that tour. And that's when this rift actually began between the Gogois and Himanshu Biswas Sharma, where like uh, they constantly tried to you know uh, push Gorov forward uh, at the cost of Himanshu Biswas Sharma. So that's how it began. And Rahul Gandhi, of course, was from the beginning uh, very very comfortable with this you know coterie of like-minded people around him in Delhi. You know all. Yeah. So and Gorov sort of fitted that bill perfectly, very, very, uh, very uh, like perfectly. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. was also foreign educated. He was, you know, from a dynasty. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, you know that with that sense of entitlement. What a big qualification, you know, unka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he he had Rahul Gandhi's ear, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's when like things sort of started going south hmm, hmm, hmm. so but l- l- t- t- tell us ajit then you know how how does that change in terms of you know uh, uh, moving forward right then he decides that congress is no longer the right fit for him and he switches it up no so it wasn't that straightforward either because he gave it a lot of time he uh, hmm, hmm. he gave them i mean See, in 2011, when he got elected, I mean, mm-hmm. when the Congress came back to power with this massive majority, almost every MLA sort of owed their victory to him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because of that, uh, most of the MLAs owed their allegiance to him also. So, mm-hmm. uh, the moment there was talk or there were murmurs that you know he would uh, sort of. Uh, he he was an alternate face to the to to Tarun Gogoi. There was massive mm. support for him amongst the Congress mm. MLAs there. Mm. So he made several attempts to you know tell them that you know the, uh, unless there is a change in leadership, mm. uh, that the party is doomed henceforth because things are sort of stagnating <laughs> on the ground and all of that. And uh, mm. there was uh, there was no response from them. So then, the 2014 right. uh, Lok Sabha elections happened. Of course, now the 2014 Lok Sabha mm. elections are very interesting because the BJP actually came out of nowhere and won half the seats in Assam. They won seven out of the 14 seats. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, mm. so uh, one thing that you have to keep in mind is that Hemanta Biswa mm. Sharma sat out in those elections. He just said mm. that you know I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to play a part here. And mm. That mm. is the reason why, of course, that is one of the important factors why mm. uh, BJP actually managed to make such a breakthrough in Assam at that point. Because imagine the right. person who's completely, you know, running your machinery on the ground, right down to the booth level, mm. who's in mm. charge of your strategy, right down to the booth level, who's in charge of your fundraising, right down to the booth level, mm. decides right before the elections that he's going to sit out. So the entire organization or the entire machinery collapse. Collapses, so mm. that's 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 exactly what happened in Assam at that point in 2014, and uh, 
So in fact, uh, there is this uh, very interesting story of a conversation that he had with uh, Amit Shah and Narendra Modi at that point, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you know he was still in the Congress, and uh, they they asked him uh, how many seats do you expect the BJP to win in Assam, and mm-hmm. uh, he gave them the exact figure. They had underestimated the number of seats, wow. and he gave wow. them the exact figures. So, oh, wow. uh, so then they remembered this conversation later. They were very impressed that you know, I mean, like this guy yeah. knows exactly what he's talking about, and you know, he has a complete hold of the ground there, of the picture there on the ground. Hmm. So, uh, so then this 2014 uh, elections happened, and of course, the Congress won 44 seats. There now, immediately after this uh, 2014 elections, uh, hmm. he finally said that, look, I am done with this. I am giving the high commander deadline. Hmm. and uh, you know please change the leadership before that otherwise you know i'll have to sort of chart my own path or whatever so uh, these people of course were you know so taken aback by the defeat and there was so much chaos in uh, yeah in the congress hmm. yeah they did not even realize what was going peripheries and you know they didn't really there was this element of stepmotherly treatment towards assam since you know since the nehru era so these people were like completely oblivious to what was going on there and finally the deadline came and went and uh, then uh, this uh, and then himanto bishwa sharma went and uh, sought a meeting with the governor Hmm. So hmm. at the moment when they realize that okay, you know things are serious. This guy probably has the numbers. Otherwise, there's no reason why he would go to the governor in that way. And uh, they hmm. said that you know, uh, fine, we're going to send uh, an observer there to you know assess the situation and see what has to be done and all of that. Hmm. So uh, I think Malikarjuna Kharge went there finally a month later, and. Hmm. Uh, and then there was this uh, like basically uh, there was a meeting held and he clearly like realized that the numbers were in favor of him or tobesh sharma mm. so uh, after this happened uh, basically the high command sort of told him that you know uh, we realize that the numbers are in your favor and all of that so uh, of course you know we will now facilitate this transition in leadership and all but uh, please wait for rahul gandhi to return rahul gandhi had pushed off for one of his you know sabbaticals so uh, you know so wait for this guy to return because he's going to take the final call but then <coughs> again by the time this guy returned uh, like he said that no you know this is not going to happen because apparently gorav gogoi had spoken to him already and all of that and he <coughs> refused to you know implement this he put his foot down completely so <coughs> so at that point after you know trying again and again himanto bishwa sharma finally decided that he will take the government down and you know get uh, and become the chief minister he had enough mlas and uh, not uh, and not only were the were most of the congress mlas supporting him but he had support from across uh, party lines you know the agp also said that if you break the government we will support you and uh, even ajmal made the offer although he rejected it immediately but even ajmal made mm-hmm. that offer to so uh, so finally like uh, they had decided and everything was done but at the last moment he realized that see i have i mean there is only probably like a year or so left for this government and hmm. uh, you know i'm going to gain nothing by doing this uh, 
in fact like this is a you know especially in the long term i'm not going to get anything by doing this and this is more importantly a government that i have brought to power myself like this is completely my doing so mm-hmm. you know it's probably like not a good idea to take it it's out. it's 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 very important to talk a little bit about that also i just you know i just wanted to add something yeah. you said so in 2006 yeah. bjp and agp fight elections together if i'm not mistaken and get up to 34 seats and ajmal is about 10 in 2011 they fight the election separately and BJ, uh, and uh, assam gan parishad has about 16 and a half percent and bjp has 11.5 of course if they fought together they would probably end up with about 40 50 seats but because they fought separately they get no i think uh, 2006 2006 also if i'm not mistaken ajp and bjp fought separately Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right. Two thousand one. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, two thousand one is when when they fought together and formed the government. So my point is that uh, then Ajmal becomes uh, the second largest party in Assam through a strange sort of uh, thing, and at that time also uh, Borderland People's Front (BPF). Uh, I think uh, they don't. They are not fighting with the NDA because they have that twelve seats that they always get, but. things no, no, change borderland people actually right now in 2020 before the uh, sorry 2020 2020 there were the council elections and then 2021 assembly elections until then the borderland people's front which came about i think in 2003 or 2004 uh, has always gone with himanto bishwa sharma wherever he is so until he was in the congress they were there with him and then when he switched to the bjp they also switched to the bjp so i'll tell you that's a very interesting point actually uh, because as you know 2006 they were all expected uh, i mean the congress was expected to lose that election because this was like a seesaw cycle basically and mm. they were expecting the agp to come back in fact tarun gogoi uh, you know had completely given up i mean like his inner mm. circle have interviewed many people they, they say that he had completely given up he had no hope of coming back to mm. power in 2006 mm. what happened was that uh, so himanto bishwa sharma was a young minister there he was handling a lot of things and he said that you know i'm going to take it upon myself and i will ensure that we win now of course uh, he ran a very energetic campaign he knew where to sort of which constituencies to focus on and all of that uh, because uh there were uh, because he realized that there were a lot of factors in play in 2006 which had not mm. been there earlier for instance the bjp and the agp were fighting separately now mm. because in uh, during the agp tenure of uh, you know in between uh, uh, which lasted from 96 to 2001 there was mm. a massive outreach towards the minority community at that point mm. even the agp mm. so mm. some of the uh, some of the vote from the majority community especially the bengali hindus in assam and all of that had completely transitioned to the bjp now mm. this was not uh, a vote share that would translate into many seats but it was uh, a substantial vote share nonetheless which would translate into agp's uh, number of seats coming down that is something mm. that he perceived uh, very early then there was mm. of course the bpf which came about so the council was created during gogoi's tenure and the bpf which was you know uh, uh, actually like which was formed uh, by these people who were also you know who had their own bodo movement at some point and who were considered to be you know out of the mainstream some of them were even militants and all of that had come back together to the mainstream and formed the bpf and they had uh, won the bodoland council 
So mm. he made sure that the Congress had an alliance with the BPF at that point. Although the mm. BPF, I mean, came about so late that it did not even have an election symbol uh, on time. But he made sure that those whom they nominated were backed by the Congress, and the Congress did not, you know, nominate others in those constituencies and so on. Uh, mm. Then, of course, the main factor was the AIUDF. So mm. uh, this, uh, if you remember, there was something called the IMDT Act. Uh, yeah. So the IMDT Act was struck down in the Supreme Court, and the person who was petitioner at that time was Sarbanand Sonowal, who was uh, an AIP oh. MP. Yeah. yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so he was an AGP MP and he became like a household name in Assam at that time. They called him uh, Jatiya Nayak, which means like, you know, you are like the, the main person of our uh, of our community and all of that. So, uh, so because of this IMTDT Act being struck down, hmm. there was a massive consolidation of the minority community behind this new party of... Uh, you know, belonging to the Ajmans. Hmm. Now, hmm. now this party in the beginning, you know, this was like a high-flying perfume baron, you know, with a few other mullahs <laughs> in the region. They had come together. They were considered to be a complete joke. But, hmm. uh, and you know, even Torun Goga used to like make fun of them and all in the beginning. Hmm. But then Hemantu Vishwashama realized that these guys have a lot of potential and all of that. So, uh, you know, he, he very categorically made sure that the Congress's campaign doesn't uh, go after them in any way, uh, mm. you know, and, and that they actually put their resources into the seats where they are in a direct confrontation with the AGP instead. And uh, so like he sort of designed all these strategies, he put them together and he made sure that they became the single largest party in 2006. And he roped mm. in the independents with the BPF and everybody, he managed to cross the halfway mark. So Correct. that's how like, that was a complete watershed election because, you know, for the first time after so many decades, a party was getting re-elected and the, the state's dynamics completely changed. So mm. for all these years, you know, like you would have these, uh, uh, you know, two poles in Assamese politics, uh, which mm. was, you know, the AGP and the Congress. But from that point on, uh, two individuals became the two poles in Assamese politics. On one side, you had Hemantho Sharma. On the other side, you had Badruddin Ajman. So, of course, hmm. like that is a that, that materialized much more in 2011, but the beginning was in 2006 when these right. two people became the polls. And Himanto uh, Vishwa Sharma, despite being in the Congress party, was the representative of what the Assam movement had been all about, while uh, Ajman represented the other side. No, and I think I, th I think the, the the Congress party by then had also deteriorated into various factions. So ultimately, uh, Ajmal did go into alliance with the Congress in the last election, uh, where uh, yeah. Hiteshwar Saikya's son, ironically, was leading the Congress party, Debabrata Saikya, and uh, yeah. they had an alliance with uh, um, Badruddin Ajmal's party. Yeah. Yeah, so Debabrata Saikya was even the opposition leader during the Sonowal era. Yeah. So... And no, and the reason I bring him up is because I think he lost his own seat by I think uh, he, I'm sure almost lost his seat. He narrowly retained okay. it by like 600 or 700 votes, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So some uh, the the condition of the Congress Party is very bad right now. So what happened is that basically, mm -hmm. if you see in the run up to the 2021 elections, Himanta mm -hmm. Biswas Sharma's, uh, if you look at some of his statements. Uh, he would actually say things like, you know, 
I have worked in the minority dominated areas, but I'm not going to campaign there because nobody will vote for me. Uh, mm. So this is something that is unheard of, you know, in, in mm. politics anywhere in the world, actually, because, you know, even if you know that, you know, somebody is or like a large part of a certain area is unlikely to vote for you, you still make that token effort or at least you don't, you know, write them off completely. But mm. this was a very calculated strategy in a certain sense because he was projecting uh, the other side, which was the Congress and Ajmal and BPF, to, uh, as as a completely you know as the Islamist side. Yeah. Actually, what happened was that uh, I mean, basically, with Ajmal's presence in uh, that alliance, yeah. that was the strategy that the BJP employed because of Ajmal's presence in that alliance was mm-hmm. projected as the as the Islamist front in this election. And mm-hmm. that strategy worked out very well for the BJP because they were actually presented as they, they were actually they you know came across as the Islamist front because mm-hmm. what the Congress's calculations were was that you know they are going to go and uh, you know uh, campaign very hard in the tea gardens. Uh, we yeah. saw that you know Priyanka Gandhi going there and dancing there and Rahul Gandhi going with that you know no CAA gamusa and uh, you know yeah. campaigning in the tea gardens and they were making. Uh, very outrageous promises there, you know, which were completely financially, un, uh, you know, unsustainable about what they would give to the garden workers there. And and on the other side, they thought that with BPF coming on board, they would even get the Bodo votes. And with Ajmal coming on board, they would get the Muslim votes and they would win. Yeah, BJP's yeah. plan was that they would project the entire alliance as an Islamist alliance. And hmm. that worked very well. And basically, the Congress completely collapsed in non-Islamic, uh, non-Islamist places. The BPF completely lost to the new party, which was the UPPL, which came about, and mm. uh, the Bodo regions. And mm. uh, basically, that's how the BJP won 2021. Uh, yeah, and 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 then the numbers was numbers were very significant as well uh, for you know. Yeah for the bjp and others so i mean you know uh, uh, i think the nda got about 75 seats if i'm not mistaken bjp got 60 agp 9 and you know uppl 6 and BP, uh, bpf got i think four seats from the 12 that they usually used to get so it's a, it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a very interesting capitulation uh, that happened and they had a mahajot where they had uh, uh, communists also joining in because th- this is a very interesting thing wherever congress does this mahajot they keep make sure that communist cpi cpim cpi mll <laughs> you know all of them joined in heck i didn't even know rjd was given a seat to fight in assam if that makes wow. sense that's like jdu winning in the, uh, there, is a, there, there are there are uh, biharis in some pockets of assam so it, no no uh, not even that but my good friend jam rog uh, who who has this hmm. joke that there is a, a lot of these parties jdu rjd they are there because they are private enterprises so they'll have one seat <laughs> or two yeah. seats there were like one or two private enterprises there but moving on to um, the last part of the our discussion and uh, and guys if you have any other questions please tune in i know i've i've gotten some few questions on twitter that i'm going to start asking ajit right now but if you want any you know questions on youtube uh, facebook you know just right now is the time to ask so a couple of our listeners have asked this question um, ajit that what is what is the next uh, what is the next step 
for the BJP now um, in Assam, right? Like, do you do, are we going to see a somewhat of a stagnation in terms of their base, or is there going to is demo is with the demographics of, of Assam or the politics being as complicated as it is uh, that Himanta will have to reach out to new constituencies and things like that? What do you think about that? So basically, at this point, of course, I mean they. Uh, they are performing uh, in the non-Muslim areas. They're definitely peaking in their performance. There is no doubt about mm. that. But then again, Himanta mm. Bishwa Sharma is the kind of leader who manages to uh, who manages to retain retain those highs. I mean, it's mm. not that you know uh, he has that quality in him. But also now uh, you see that somewhere their line or their tone has changed. Now, if you look at uh, the the way in which this entire madrasa issue has been handled in Assam, where on one side there is definitely uh, you know this entire aspect of them stopping these madrasas or banning these madrasas, but it's not just uh, you know some kind of a surgical strike on a core issue or something like that. There is this mm-hmm. other aspect of him actually reaching out to the youth in that community and saying that you know I mean. What kind of future do you envisage for yourself? Do mm. you, you know, intend to be a doctor or an engineer, or do you want to, you know, spend the rest of your life being a mullah or something like that? And obviously, I mean, this is uh, uh, he he is getting the kind of response that he wants because that is what is you know prompting him to move forward with this, where he is uh, at least when it comes to the indigenous Muslims. I don't know about. Uh, you know what the fate of the illegal immigrants will be, but he's finding a way to some way reconcile uh, mm-hmm. them in the mainstream, and right. you know, and uh, de-radicalize them in the process. So now, of course, we can ask ourselves where this will finally go. To what extent will this go? Will it even be possible for us to you know imagine that maybe in the next decade or in a generation from now or something? We have a situation where they're actually, you know, voting for a leader like him or Vishwa Sharma. I don't know. I mean, these questions are still to be answered. But yeah. at least in terms of how things are moving, not from an electoral standpoint, but from a general standpoint, a cultural standpoint, or whatever you want to call it, there is that kind of a movement that is taking place. Hmm. No, I agree, and it's 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 a, it's a fascinating, fascinating sort of thing. Uh, but my yeah. sort of my last question, and a lot of questions we're getting about are about you know the demographic changes, which you sort of addressed in this. So I'm not taking all of them. I think you already talked about that over here. Um, yeah. Politically, right? Do you see him going into a bit of a national role? based on your analysis right because it's unlike a lot of politicians is a very younger youngish uh, you know leader right so he's he's actually taken yeah. up politics very early in his life typically 40s yeah. is when they start being mlas mps yeah already you know cm you know and going forward and he is also yes. probably the sorry just wanted to add one to it right yes, uh, yes. one point to it also, one of the few Assami, uh, you know, leaders from Assam who has also captured a national space, right? Like uh, Tarun Gogoi was very is because you know of the friendship with the Gandhi families and then certain journalists and stuff. But since since Prafulla Kumar Mohanta has there have there been many Assamese Assam politicians, you know, who who have captured the national na- national attention the same way as Himanta has? I'm not no. so sure. You can correct me if I'm wrong. 
No, no. So in fact, uh, I mean, I would consider him already to be the tallest leader of that region because you see, even Tarun Gogoi hmm. uh, is a three-term chief minister. He's you know brought a lot of stability to that to the state, but hmm. uh, at the same time, he's somebody who kept a very low profile. Uh, he's hmm. somebody who kept himself very restricted to the state of Assam. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, when it comes to Mahanta, the AGP, of course, is uh, only uh, an Assamese party. There is no scope of the AGP, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, anywhere beyond Assam's borders. So, considering those factors, if you look at somebody like Himanto Bishwa Sharma, anyway, he was playing a role, not just in Assam, but a pan-Northeast role even before he joined the BJP, after he joined the BJP and... Uh, the government was formed in Assam. That role was even, uh, you know, given a bit of a an official sort of status with the NEDA coming about and he becoming, you know, the chairperson of the NEDA. Now, mm-hmm. you see that uh, the recent elections took place, for instance, this election cycle. Uh, he was there campaigning, whether it was in UP, Uttarakhand, whatever. He was a very prominent uh, campaigner for the BJP. Uh, in the 2019 general elections, after the phases uh, in which you know Assam voted were over, he played a very important role in Bengal. Uh, hmm. Now you see uh, they are deploying him uh, in Telangana too, very uh, you know with uh, this entire with the BJP president there being arrested and with him taking on the KCR government and all of that, he's being deployed over there too. So uh, and of course, what I was telling you about in the beginning about there being a lot of excitement about him all over the country amongst BJP supporters, amongst people mm. in general. So he is definitely already, uh, you know, making a mark for himself in, you know, the psyche of the country or, you know, in the national psyche in a certain sense. Uh, yeah. So uh, he has already probably like become in terms of being a pan-India leader, probably the, the tallest leader that the region has offered, at least in a long, long time. Now, yeah. uh, now uh, for the other question that you were asking now, because that is, you know, whether you manage to carve out a, a place for yourself in the psyche is very different from whether you actually play a national role. Uh, and uh, when it comes to that, uh, once again, you see that he is sort of, of playing as much of a national role as any of the other prominent uh, regional leaders or chief ministers of the BJP, whether it is, you know, Yogi Adityanath, whether it is uh, uh, Shivraj Singh Chauhan, whether it is Devendra Fatras, right. who all have a bit of a pan-India appeal and, you know, who go to other states as star campaigners, who, uh, you know, take part in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, whatever in the politics of other states, etc. He's playing that kind of a role now. What that means for the future, it is obviously too early to tell because he's, you know, less than one year into his chief ministership. But yeah, mm. there is definitely uh, uh, an emergence on the national. Uh, on Absolutely. The national you know, before we ended the podcast, I definitely wanted yeah. to show everyone Ajit's book. It's a fascinating book Thank to you. read it. It's available on Amazon as well, guys. And uh, we'll put the link as well. Uh, uh, before we get into the last comments, yeah, a lot of you have been watching. Please subscribe uh, to our Mindmakers YouTube channel. Follow Ajit on Twitter. Uh, do buy his book and let us know what you think. And, you know, we'd be happy to do another follow-up podcast with Ajit taking your questions because I'm sure there'll be many.
many or many comments that you know why it's been it's it's a fascinating topic ajit any closing comments before we wrap up on what do you think will be the trending gen, tr- tr- the changing trends in assam and your uh, you know final comments on this so we already see that uh, you know much like uh, some of the other chief ministers who've really made a mark at the national level in the last few decades whether it was you know narendra modi in gujarat or nitish kumar in bihar or even yogi adityanath in uttar pradesh there is a massive focus on law and order in assam which which happens when you know you have a very strong leader who's there to to stay for many years who wants you know a very stable beginning uh, that will you know last for a few terms you typically see that you know in the first two or three years there's a big law and order clean up that takes place so uh, there is definitely that trend which we see in assam it's being repeated uh, we see him tackle some of the most uh, some of the most complex or the most difficult issues that the state has faced whether it's infrastructure to tackle floods which you know mm-hmm. has been you know, an issue for several generations of assamese so he's you know he's working towards that uh, whether it is you know to bring the ulfa to the mainstream something that is you know completely unthinkable that was like the first thing that he said in his first press conference as chief minister he invited parash barua to the table and there have been you know there has been a ceasefire there have been uh, there has been a lot of progress on that front you see uh, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, interest in terms of you know what india inc wants to do there uh, they are mm-hmm. very uh, they are working towards uh, you know uh, rising in the ease of business doing uh, doing uh, sorry whatever the rankings are and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so uh, you see all of those trends so generally it's a very positive uh, positive absolutely and and we'll be here to discuss we'll be here to discuss capture the trends however it may however they yeah. turn out we'll be here to also talk about the politics and uh, we'll we'll have detailed discussions but uh, before that uh, i want to thank uh, ajit for coming on to mind podcast this is a fascinating discussion ajit thank you so much and uh, looking forward to thank you, you know, so much for having person me in india again So yeah absolutely. thanks guys uh, please like share subscribe uh, write to us what you thought about this we'll be back very soon with yet another podcast for folks on soundcloud uh, you'll it'll be available i mean you know you feel free to write to us uh, with your comments on email and twitter like you always do youtube uh, a lot of people i know most of our listeners actually also will uh, listen to it recorded you please write your comments below we'll try to get to them and respond to them uh, in the next episodes to come uh, till then it's goodbye and we'll be back soon thank you so much